Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Friends, our second reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. Hear God's word to us today. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us and mold us. Fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh now on each one of us. Amen. Before he went on to become a best-selling author of young adult novels, John Green planned to be a minister. Part of his journey toward ministry involved serving as a chaplain at a children's hospital in Ohio where he grew up. John had no formal training as a pastor. He wasn't enrolled in divinity school yet. He was just 21 years old. John hoped he would grow into the job, but then came a night when he questioned whether he was suited for the job at all. He says, I think it was my third night on call, so I was still really new at being a chaplain, and the trauma pager went off, and it was a burn injury, a three-year-old boy. And I went downstairs, and there was this social worker, and she handed me a mask and a piece of gum because of the smell of burns, which is so terrible. And the paramedics wheeled in this kid who was just screaming, just screaming in agony. And he was very, very small. My understanding is that his dad had been burning leaves, and then it just spread a little bit. And he went inside and dialed 911, and when he came back, the fire had surrounded this kid. There was a staff room, and I went there, John says, to have a cup of coffee, and a young doctor was throwing up in a trash can. And she said, that kid is going to die. In a shaky voice, John recalls the boy's pediatrician coming out of the room, and he says she was just sobbing, something he had never seen a doctor do before. That night was a very long night, he says, and he says, I took the parents into the windowless family room and, and stayed up all night with them. And the next morning at 8 a.m., I took the pager and handed it in, and I drove home and got in the shower for an hour and a half, and I couldn't stop smelling the burn, 
And I couldn't stop thinking about this kid and his parents. And I was also, frankly, relieved that I got to go home. I got to hand off the pager, and I knew that they wouldn't. When John got to work the next day, the boy, whose name was Nick, was no longer there. Over these last several weeks, we've been talking about about things that might be stumbling blocks for us in our life of faith or things that might trip up people from believing in or following Jesus in the world. And we've been trying to think through some of these issues and topics as part of a sermon series called A Thinking Person's Guide to Faith. Today we will conclude that theme as we talk about suffering. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? But if you've ever heard someone ask the question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Or if you've ever seen something horrific or tragic and wondered, where is God and why didn't God do something to prevent this awful tragedy? Or if maybe you have ever been in a painful situation yourself, if you have ever been suffering and someone has said to you, this must be God's will or or somehow a part of God's plan, Well, then maybe, maybe you know how suffering and and wondering about God's seeming absence from it or inability to prevent it, you know how that can cause us to question our faith, and understandably so. Even when our faith is strong, we can still question why there is cancer Or other diseases where people are suffering in in this world, we can ask God, why, why would you not prevent a tsunami like the one in 2004 where nearly 230,000 people were killed? 100,000 people die in natural disasters every year. The playwright Archibald McLeish wrote, if God is good, he is not good. If God is God, he is not good. If God is good, he is not God. Meaning, if God is good, if God is all-powerful, all-capable, then God can't be good because bad things sure do happen in this world. And if God is good, then God can't be all-powerful, all-capable because a good God wouldn't allow bad things to happen. I disagree with that statement, but it pretty well sums up the way a lot of people feel when they look at suffering in this world. And it's one thing to look at the suffering of others. It's quite another thing when you are walking through that suffering yourself. Last Sunday night, I had dinner with a friend from seminary who who lost her faith during her time preparing for ministry. I think I've told you about her before. While we were in seminary, her mom's cancer came back with a vengeance. And she suffered so so much, and she endured round after round of chemotherapy. And my friend, she comes from an evangelical background, and her parents and their close community, they all felt like if they could just pray hard enough and have enough faith, that their faith could be an important part of of their mom's healing. It almost felt like a failure of their faith, she said, when their mom died. Like it had somehow not been enough. After seminary, my friend went on and got a degree in nursing and now works at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in Memphis treating kids with cancer. 
Now, John Green, that, that young hospital chaplain, I, I listened to this wonderful interview with him when he talked at great length about this incident with Nick, the three-year-old burn victim. It had such a profound effect on him. It, it caused him to lose his sense of call to ministry and, in fact, to lose his faith. In this interview, he says, I spent the last months of my period as a chaplain knowing full well that I wasn't going to divinity school and I wasn't going to be a minister. John did, however, go on to become a successful writer of young adult fiction. His books have sold over 50 million copies, which on the plus side sounds a lot more lucrative than a life of ministry. He's the author of books like The Fault in Our Stars, which was turned into a popular Hollywood movie. He's done well in his life. Still, he says, not a day has gone by when he hasn't thought about Nick and Oddly enough, despite losing his faith, he says, not a day has gone by when he hasn't prayed for Nick and his family. And then one day, one day, he had this thought. He said he had been basing all of these years of worry about Nick and his fate on one thing that one distraught doctor said while heaving into a trash can. And so John typed Nick's name into the search engine on his computer, and it didn't take him more than 30 seconds before he was on Nick's Facebook page. He was alive. And his parents were were together, and John said, I just cried and cried. I was just so glad that he was alive. Now, this series is called A Thinking Person's Guide to Faith, and we could go on and on about the the science of our planet and of our bodies and of our minds. We could talk about plate tectonics and the reason why there are shifts below the Earth's crust that, that allow heat to escape, but that also cause earthquakes, which also cause tsunamis. We could talk about the science of meteorology and the study of weather patterns that cause tornadoes and hurricanes, which can can lead to such incredible damage and take human lives. You know what insurance companies call those events, right? Acts of God. We can talk about the medical sciences, the sciences, the, the sorts of cells that, that replicate uncontrollably and cause cancer in the body. We can wonder why there are, are birth defects or, or mental illnesses. We can blame God for the things that go wrong with us medically or that cause us To experience pain, we can ask God why a three-year-old would suffer in a fire. And then let's not also forget about the incredible suffering that we humans are capable of inflicting on one another. Elie Wiesel, who was a survivor of Auschwitz, wrote in his novel, Night, Never Shall I Forget That Night, the first night in camp, which was turned which turned my life into one long night, seven times cursed and seven times sealed. Never shall I forget the smoke. Never shall I forget the faces of the little children. Never shall I forget those flames which consumed my faith forever. Never shall I forget those moments which murdered my God and my soul and turned my dreams to dust. Fiesel went on to claim a faith, but when asked... He also said, do I believe in God? I'd be lying if I said yes. But do I not believe in God? I'd be 
lying if I said no. As someone who witnessed and experienced firsthand such unbelievable pain and suffering, he struggled with his faith his entire life. And many of us who have experienced far less pain and suffering, we struggle with our faith as well. We can ask God why these things happen or why God didn't prevent them from happening. It's the most human thing we can do to try to understand our world and its problems and the reasons why people, people suffer As thinking people, we can look at our world to understand things scientifically or or medically or even just rationally. Theologians look at the problem of suffering and they call it theodicy, which comes from two words, theo meaning God and dike meaning justice, God's justice. And so the question is, how can we look at this world and see a God of justice when there is so much suffering around us? And the fundamental place to begin, I think, is to decide, do we want a God who is intimately and ultimately in control of everything that happens in this world? Or do we want a God who gives us our own free will and freedom of conscience? And the way you answer that question really dictates the way you understand theodicy or God's justice. If your understanding is that God is in control of each and every aspect of your life, that God answers each and every prayer exactly the way that we want, then I think we are going to struggle hard with this question. And we know that that can't be true as much as we might want it to be anyway. So perhaps God's justice comes through other means. God creates the world, God sets it in motion, and the laws of nature and and physics apply, and sometimes the way we live and we move and the way we have our being, they are affected by them. That doesn't mean that God isn't good. It means that we have to balance our, our living in the world and the way the world works in its natural courses. When you build a lovely home on the coast and it gets washed away in a hurricane, did God do that? I don't think so. But God creates us and allows us the freedom to do and to think as we wish. God gives us our own minds and bodies and free will. And what would it mean if we didn't have that? In other words, God doesn't create the tragedy. God doesn't create the storm or the earthquake or the cancer. God creates the world and God's justice in the world is done through us. And where there is suffering in the world, I think that's where God calls us as Christians to go and to be and to walk to alongside of others in the midst of their pain. And when you walk away from God because there is suffering in the world, when you go through that by yourself, well, all that you've got left is the suffering. Instead, God promises to never leave us. God's assurance is that we're never alone. God's answer to us for all of the suffering that we may experience in this world is that the worst thing is never, ever the last thing. If I can summarize the end of that interview with John Green, he he makes contact with Nick, the three-year-old boy who's now in his early 20s. It's during the pandemic, and so a video call has been arranged. John, who once interviewed former President Barack Obama, describes the anticipation of this Zoom call with Nick as far more nerve-wracking. 
Nick, who is now in graduate school, talks about what life has been like for him over these last 20 years. After the night of the fire, Nick was sent to recover in a hospital for burn victims. And in the years after tissue was always getting infected throughout his childhood, Nick was in and out of the hospital. To this day, Nick's right hand is so stitched together that there are parts of it he cannot feel. I would definitely like to have not been burned, Nick says, and to not deal with the daily things that come with that. But it brought my family to Christ in a way that it would not have otherwise. It was only after the accident that a friend invited Nick's family to church. They began attending regularly. Before that, they'd been Christian in name only. So for Nick, the fire brought him to the most important thing in his life. He says the fire brought him to God. Because of that day in the ER, John's faith was made weaker, but Nick and his family's faith was made much stronger. I don't think that was because of the fire, but maybe it was because of the way they experienced God's presence afterward. If we look at tragedy and wonder why God didn't do something to prevent it, then we will always be disappointed. But if we experience tragedy and we look for God's presence, even in small, tender mercies, we will always find it. I will not leave you orphaned, Jesus says. So I realize that I have been ending each of these sermons with something to let go of. Let go of the idea that hell is a place where, where bad people go. Let go of the idea that if you don't give up all that you own, you won't be able to follow Jesus in the world. Well, this week, I think we should let go of the idea that when there's pain and suffering, we call it somehow part of God's plan. Seriously, let's just stop doing that. And if you are in the habit of saying to others who are walking through suffering in their life, stop saying it. Please, let's just let go of the whole idea that suffering in this world is somehow a part of God's plan. And instead, let's remind people who are in pain that they are not alone. Let's show kindness and compassion to those who have lost their homes or their loved ones or even their faith. Because you, we, are what God's justice looks like in this world, right? If God chooses to give us hearts and minds and free will, then you are the embodiment of God's justice for the world. That's why nearly every Sunday when we leave here, I, I say something like our worship ends, but our service begins. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with God. You, you, my friends, might just be the embodiment of God's God's hope and presence for someone who is walking through a time of pain and suffering. And if it's you, if you are the one who's going through that for yourself, may you always know that you are never alone, that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God will never leave you, and that the worst thing that we can ever imagine or ever experience in this life is never 
ever the last thing. I will not leave you orphaned, Jesus says. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.